Good morning again, everyone. My name is Mike Hagelin. It's definitely a pleasure to be here with you. I know it's been a while since I got to stand up here and encourage you guys in the Word of God. Uh, for those of you who do not remember me, I come from a long history with John. I've known him since we were in our college days, and we met back at Calvary Chapel years ago, and uh, God's carried us both along in very similar paths, going through different opportunities to serve, winding up serving together in the children's ministry, uh, both starting families around the same time. Our children are very close in age to each other and very close with each other, and then uh, John's gotten to come here, and every once in a while he gives me the invite to come here and encourage you guys in the Word of God, too. So uh, just thank you for this opportunity. Really excited to be here. So yes, our, our focus today is going to be in Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations isn't one of those books you see in all the greeting cards all the time or, you know, uh, a lot of cheering and building people up and encouragement out of this book. It's not known for that. Uh, its name gives itself away. But when you read these verses, these are some of the most encouraging. And for me, you know, uh, I'll background story. Me and John were talking earlier this week about what I could share here. And he said if he had the opportunity, he would be sharing from Lamentations chapter 3. And I said, well, that's good because then I'm sharing from verses 22 to 25. Because these verses have been ministering to my soul. Uh, they're actually my wife's favorite verses of the Bible because of the, the hope that, that they give you. Now, again, Lamentations isn't a book that really screams of hope. When you think of it, when you just think about the name, Lamentations, it's a lament. It was written by the prophet Jeremiah during the time of the fall of Jerusalem. So Jeremiah, he was a prophet. He was given this opportunity by God to share to Jerusalem and the people of Judah to let them know, hey, you guys are going down the wrong path. Don't continue down this path. It's a path that will lead to destruction. If you keep going this way, things will go bad. And people didn't listen, and things went bad. And here we have Jerusalem has fallen. It's been attacked by Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar and his troops come in. They siege the city. They destroy the city. It's a devastating time for the people of Judah. So the, the way Lamentations is laid out, it's really five separate poems. It's five separate poems written by Jeremiah after the fall of Jerusalem. And he's really just reflecting with this broken heart on everything that he's seeing around him. For their consequence of sinning and turning from God and they're refusing to repent, the people are going through this terrible time of death by the sword, death by famine, and death by pestilence, sickness. And Jeremiah is watching that. There's a sermon and a half right there just on the idea of a nation that fails to repent and turn back to God and the consequences and the pain that could suffer from that. But I'm sure you guys all want to get out of here while it's still 2023. So I'm going to spare you that sermon because I could talk for a long time on that one. What I want to focus on is this turn we have in chapter 3, verses, really the turn starts around verse 21. And it goes from this real true story 
of Jeremiah pouring out his heart, weeping, crying over the destruction and the pain of all these people I seeing around him, this devastation, this mockery that the people, this once great nation, Israel, the land of King David, Solomon, splendor, right? This privileged chosen people, they trusted in their privilege and they wind up falling from that because they didn't hold on to the responsibilities that that privilege came. And now they're suffering. And Jeremiah is just brokenhearted. He's, he's distraught. He's destroyed. He's crying out to God about all the pain that he's seeing. Thank God we have never experienced the suffering that Jeremiah saw. Right, We don't see that here in our country. Again, we're in a land of privilege, and we assume that the pain and suffering that they, that they saw there is something that cannot touch us here. Who knows? I don't know what tomorrow may bring, but I'll tell you, from learning through this, from reading this, I can see the hope I can have in all circumstances, because if Jeremiah can have hope through that pain and suffering that he was watching, I can have hope through the pain and suffering of my life that doesn't even come close to comparing to what Jeremiah went through. So verse 21, it says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. So that makes me interested right there. That That's a catch. That grabs me. When I hear, wow, this man is suffering. Imagine, imagine today for us, we're all down over on the shoreline and we're looking across that bay and those buildings that we see standing there are nothing but ash and rubble. The bridges that were once bustling with traffic have no one going across them. The tunnels are closed. No one's going into New York City because it's laid to waste. The people that are there are a handful compared to what once was there, and they're all starving to death. The children are dying in the streets from hunger. They have not enough to eat, and the people in that city are turning to cannibalism because they're so desperate for food. Meanwhile, there's an occupying army that's living fat off the land, off the plenty that that city once had. They're consuming it all, and in that, they're mocking all the people, all the inhabitants of New York. And we're there watching that. How heartbreaking. How devastating to see the suffering of humanity. You know, we see it around the world, and it's one thing to see it on a television screen. It's another thing to see it firsthand. The people we care about, people that we know, our neighbors, our leaders. But that's what Jeremiah was seeing. He was seeing these people who once were prideful, once clothed in the finest of clothing. You know, Fifth Avenue had nothing on these folks, right? And now they're groveling for food. They're begging for food. They're being put to laborious tasks by their occupying forces. They're being treated like they're nothing. And they're being laughed at by all their neighboring nations. This is what Jeremiah is going through. He's going through something that we would look and say, this is it. It's over. Everything we had. It's gone. Everything I trusted in is gone. Everything I hoped for. You know, I'm hoping one day I'm going to have a retirement. I'm hoping one day that I'll be able to enjoy the fruits of my labor. 
But Jeremiah was hoping that too, and it was all taken from him. He watched it all vanish before his eyes. But verse 21, therefore I have hope. What is that hope? What gave him hope in such a despairing time? So it says in verse 22, therefore the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. What gave him hope was the fact that he still had breath in his lungs. That was the first step in realizing there was something to hope in. I'm still here. We're still here. We're not done. You know, life gets tough. Things get hard. And sometimes we just want to throw in that towel and say, I can't take it anymore. I'm done. I can't do this. It's too much for me to bear. But we need to stop like Jeremiah and think, I'm still breathing. You're still here. The fact that I'm still alive is proof of your mercies alone. Just like we said in our prayer, we've all offended God. There's not a person who has not offended the creator of heaven and earth. We have all let him down. We have all stood mocking to his face. When he says, this is the path I have planned for you, this is how I want you to live, and we looked and said, that's nice, God, but I think my way is a little bit better. I'm going to try my path instead. And we stood in rebellion to him, and we do our own thing. We do it on a daily basis. I, guys, when I say you, I, I, I grew up in school, and they said, when you say you, you got three fingers pointing back at you. When I'm saying you, I got three fingers pointing back at me. I'm not saying you, I'm saying us in a corporate, me, myself. I let God down all the time. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I break his heart. And the Bible's clear. His rules. It's not how can a loving God allow me to go through this. It's how can a just God allow me to wake up every morning and breathe again. Because his word's clear. As a sinner, I am condemned to death and separation from God. I deserve, as soon as I fail, I deserve... All right, nice job, Mike, you're done. You're out of the game, pulling you. But his mercies triumph over that. His love and compassion allows us another opportunity because they do not fail. They are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. Here we see a complete change in Jeremiah's tone. He goes from telling us about what's going on, what he's experiencing, all this pain, to now he's again Talking to God earlier in chapter 3, he's talking about how his prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. feel like we're not talking, God. feel like you're not here. And he has to submit and say, even through all this, great is your faithfulness. Every morning, that means they never run out. His compassion towards you never runs out. You can never get to the point where he says, I think I, I think I've had about all the love I have for you. You've spent all my love. We're no longer on those terms. He doesn't do that every day. It's renewed. It's refilled. He wants to be merciful and compassionate to you. And he is faithful. He's the faithful one. And because he is faithful, we can have faith in him. 
It's the only one we can have faith in. There are so many things out there that we're told to put our trust in. Just trust in this. Trust in this program. Trust in this bank account. Trust in this investment. Trust in this doctor. Trust in this medicine. Trust in this. It's overwhelming what we're told to put our trust in. Everyone in the world knows we can't do it on our own. We all know we can't do it on our own. We all know we need to have faith. And so many songs, you got to have faith. Faith in what? Tell me, faith in what? They tell me I need to have faith. They tell me I need to trust. But trust in what? It's all broken. We're all broken people. You put your faith in me, I'm going to let you down, guaranteed. It's not going to take long either. I might be able to help you out for a little bit. But eventually, I'm going to let you down because I am a human being and I'm broken. I'm a sinner in my nature. I will fall. I will let you down. We need to have faith in something outside of creation. They don't tell you that, though. They're not going to tell you that. We need to have faith in the one that is faithful. I'm so excited about the song that we're about to sing because that's where this this song that we're going to sing in a little bit is based off this verse here, these verses. Great is his faithfulness. He's the one that we can trust in, and he's the one that can help us to be able to understand that, yes, I can get through the trials of today because I have faith in the one who will bring me into tomorrow. But the world's at a loss. People outside these doors, they don't get to hear that. They don't know it. It's why we look at a world where in elementary and middle school, suicide's on the rise. These are children. Children looking, saying, I've lost the faith. I have nothing I can trust in. I'm going to end it all. I'm going to throw in a towel. The generation that should be looking with the most excitement for their future is looking, saying, I can't. That's why alcohol and drug use is on the rise. And how does the world deal with that? What do they do? Oh, we'll just legalize stuff then. That will solve the problem. If we make it legal, then we're not documenting how many people are violating the crimes, and now the problem's gone. We just erase the numbers. We don't fix the problem. People are chasing after things. And like we mentioned before, it's not just drugs, alcohol, suicide. There's tons of things. There's tons of things I put my trust in. I wish I could say my trust is in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. But I'll put my trust in things. I'll put my trust in work. You know, those of you who don't know, I work for the United States Postal Service, but I'm not doing stuff like this. Uh, I'm a mailman by trade, right? I'll put my trust in the post office, that paycheck. Oh, I got to keep my job. That's, that's my provider. Excuse me? What did you just say? That's not your provider. Maybe God uses that to provide. But he's my provider. He's the faithful one. The post office, as many of you guys may know, that thing's on the brink. <laughs> it's not, not much faith to have there, right? You know, things only been around a couple hundred years. It's about done its time. I can't trust in that. But I can trust in God because I can know 
that he is the faithful one. He will be there from beginning to end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who will always be trustworthy. He will always come through. And Jeremiah starts renewing his hope in that mindset. Great is his faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, God. He cries out to God himself. He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. When it all comes down to brass tacks, and we're down to the bare minimum, we have to realize everything we have is in him and in him alone. He's the one. He's the one that we should find our fulfillment in. Nothing else in this world will satisfy us. Nothing can satisfy us. There's things that will satisfy for a moment, but those things come and go. But he is my portion. He's where I get it all. Guys, I love bringing my kids to Disney World. It's my thing. I love the opportunity to bring my family down to Disney and see them go on rides and meet characters and just fun times. And I love, I really just love watching my family enjoy things and being with them. That fulfillment lasts for a second. You know, we go down to Disney World. As soon as we're in the, packed up in the car and we're heading back to an airport, God, Disney World doesn't exist anymore. We're coming back to reality. All that was gone, thousands of dollars down the tubes. It's not gonna, it's not gonna fulfill you. Whatever it is that your hope is, hopefully for you guys, it's not the New York Giants or a sports team from the New York area because they've been doing nothing but beating us all up. All right. There's nothing around here that should be our portion other than God. He alone. And when everything's taken away and we can look and say, I got God. I don't need anything else. That was the Apostle Paul. He learned to be abound. He learned to be abased. No matter what he had, he had God. That man went through much similar experiences as Jeremiah. That man, he had his face rearranged, right? Paul talks about how they take him, take him out of the city and they pick up stones and they just start hurling at him. They throw these stones. They leave him for dead. They leave him for dead. He wakes back up, dusts himself off, and says, you know what? I'm going to go back in the city and preach some more. i got to tell them about Jesus. They need Jesus. What? What, Paul? It's all about God. It's all he cared about. didn't matter what happened to them. Beat me down, shipwreck me, get bitten by a snake. Eh, these are all minor afflictions. Minor afflictions, Paul. I got God. I got a mission from God. I can do what God's telling me to do. I can live to be my fullness and find my fullness in him. And nothing else around me really matters. They can take everything away. As long as, long as I have God, I'm complete. That is the greatest basis for hope in your life you can ever have. They can't take God from you. They can close out our bank accounts, take our homes, rob us of all our food. We could be out on the streets, but they can never take our God away from us. And if he's where all our hope is, we will have 
joy abundantly. Again, we have never had to experience that in this country. But there's people that have. There's people that are around the world today. You go into some of these other countries, what people are going through, just for saying that they believe in Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven, that he's their Lord and Savior, okay, you can believe that, but you're going to lose it all. We're going to kill your family in front of you. You're going to watch all that, and if you don't repent then, we're going to chop your head off. There you go. So be it. So be it. Just as long as I got my God, I'm good. You read through books like Fox's Book of the Martyrs, and you hear some amazing stories, stories of people that lost everything, but they kept their hope. One of the ones that I remember this time of year comes to my mind, story the Romans were going in, and they were just annihilating areas and going finding Christians and telling them you either say that Caesar is God, you know, proclaim Caesar as your Lord, or we, we kill you. So they find this group of Christians, there's a frozen lake, and they send them out all into the middle of the frozen lake and say, as soon as you guys are ready to say that Caesar is Lord, come, we'll come back in, we'll get you your clothes, nice warm clothes on, you sit by a fire, give you hot cocoa, everything's going to be really great. But if you're going to just sit there and say Jesus is your Lord, you can stay out there and freeze. All night long, the troops are lined up on the shore, just waiting, just waiting for these guys to come back. They're going to come. They're not going to, it's not going to take long. It's a frozen lake. It's freezing out there, bitter cold. They're going to throw in the towel. And they listen and they hear them, try and hear what's going on. They're singing. They're huddled together, singing praises, singing praises. They're going, what is this? All right, give them time. Minutes turn into hours. Hours turn into the whole night. Finally, one of the guys, one of the Roman soldiers looks and says, that's it. I'm a Christian too. Throws off his clothes, goes out there, and starts singing praises with them. Those were people that knew that their portion was the Lord. They could go through all trials. God tells us, <clears throat> we're, <clears throat> we're actually better off than Jeremiah, right, to handle this type of stuff. Because Jeremiah... He didn't have the Holy Spirit. He lived before Jesus was glorified. He didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. You guys, as believers in Jesus Christ, you have the greatest gift of God indwelling in you. He is the comforter. He's the great comforter. You have God in you to help you through these moments, to encourage you through it, to be your all in all in these times and suffering. We're prepared even better than Jeremiah was to handle these things. And we can see through Scripture that this works well when people hang close to God, carries them through some of the harshest things. And then we can look at personal testimonies. And you can see those testimonies of people in the past, like Fox's Books of Martyrs and different people throughout history, and even people that we know that look and say, wow, I'll tell you guys, that's how I came to Christ. I grew up, I didn't believe, I wasn't coming to church. I went to church for a little bit as a kid because my, my parents liked the fact that it was free childcare, And they'd get me out of the house for a couple hours on a Sunday morning. Other than that, they didn't care what I believed. They didn't care what I did. I was in my 20s, started working for the post office, and I was working with a guy who said that he was a Christian. And uh, one day, I get told, hey, you got to go up to this guy, Chris. You got to go find him. His wife was pregnant at the time. They got a phone call at the office saying that the pregnancy was in danger. He was about to lose the, his wife was about to lose the baby. You know, we really need, he needs to get to the hospital now. I get, I get to be the guy. My boss didn't want to tell him this. So 
I was a newer guy at the time, so they send a new guy out. He can he can be the bearer of bad news. But I go, I'm like, why am I gonna tell this guy? Hey, look, Chris, you gotta go. You know, give me your give me the rest of the mail for the day. You gotta go. You gotta get to the hospital. Your your wife, you know, there's complications with pregnancy. She's about to lose the baby. And he goes, ah, you know, I got about ten minutes. I got I just gotta finish this loop with these houses. Said, Chris, did you hear me? Your wife, she's in trouble. Like it could be bad. You gotta go. And he stopped. And he looked, Mike. You know I believe in God. I said, yeah. If I'm there, if I'm not there yet, it doesn't matter. Ten difference isn't going to make a difference. God's in control. I trust what he's going to do. So I'm going to finish this loop. And with a smile, he finished the loop. And I looked and said, what is that? I've never seen hope like that before. So I went from mocking this guy, joking around, a goofy Christian, to all of a sudden, tell me more about your Jesus. You want to have a can I read the Bible with you? Can I come to your house read the Bible? Through that process, his witness helped me come to faith. When we have our hope in God, it's a light to the world around us. Like I said before, these guys they have they have their hope in all these things that we know are sinking. We're watching it fall apart. We know this is we know we know the outcome. Revelation's clear. This is all getting burned. Everything around you, look at it, love creation, love taking my family for hikes, love just seeing the things around us in between, like it's just the nature out there, the things that God's allowed us to build. When I see churches like this, I'm like mesmerized at how beautiful God's allowed the human mind to be so creative and just enjoy being a part of. But in the end, gone. It's all going to burn. Everything's gone. Everything's going to disappear, save for those who've put their faith in him. Only those who trusted in him will get to see. We know all this is for nothing. Everything people are putting their trust, whether it's a church building, a government institution, or the bar down the street, whatever it is they're trusting in, we know it's all going to fail. But we can give them the hope, real hope, and maybe impact a life for eternity by letting them see this play out in our lives. Verse 25, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Our God's a good God. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong mindset with this verse. You know, there's people that take verses like this, and I say, see, if you were just seeking God more, all that pain and suffering you're going through would just go away, because he's good. Good doesn't mean pain-free. Good doesn't mean free from suffering, free from trial and tribulation. Jesus promised us, as believers in him, we're going to suffer trials and tribulations. We're going to go through it, right? That's a part of being on his team, right? Through here, he allows us to go through pain and suffering. And I like to say, why? God, I'd much prefer the easy path. Easy street looks so much better to me. But... I realize through reading the Word of God that there's so much more. There's so much more to suffering. The depth that grows me in my relationship with God, the the people around me who see that and they start to understand what a relationship with God could look like to them. They start to be interested in the things of God. There's so much that he uses that for. So good does not necessarily mean pain-free. We would like that. I would like that. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you guys like 
going through through the ringer. I personally don't. Uh, but I understand whatever I'm going through is good. I trust the word of God. I trust that whatever I'm going through is good and he's with me through it because he's my portion. I find my trust in him. My hope is in him. And that carries me through to be able to get to the point where I hope to be. I love my wife's grandmother. She uh, passed away. Sorry, guys. She passed away about a year ago, maybe a little more. Wonderful woman of God. She grew up grew up in South. Uh, she lived in South Amboy. She raised her son in South Amboy. She just lived right right around the corner from here. Uh, loved the Lord. Came to uh, faith in Christ in her early twenties, and just lived for the Lord. And she could go through some serious stuff and have a smile on her face the whole entire time. I, watching her pass away was painful yet beautiful. She started getting weaker. She lost her strength. She she needed a walker. She needed to be helped to get around. She was losing her appetite. But she'd get in her walker and she'd go over. She had a piano in her house. She'd go over to the piano and start playing these hymns and start singing along to them. And you could just see the joy. Just she was overwhelmingly filled with joy through that time because of her fullness in Christ and nothing less, nothing more. There was nothing else that she had. She was losing it all. Life was going. But man, was she happy to sing to the Lord. Wow, was she encouraged to have a conversation about Jesus. She wanted, She knew her days were numbered. She knew she was going. And she just wanted to talk to you about Jesus, all the things that God done, how faithful he's been to her. I hope when I face minor things, I could have half that encouragement, that joy she had in the Lord. Because that was not just amazing to see the peace on her as she went through that, but it was amazing to see how much comforting that was for me, my wife, her parents, knowing that we weren't going to get to be with her too much more, but knowing that she was happy about where she was going. She knew without a shadow of a doubt. And she was excited to see the Lord. That gave us a lot of peace. That gave us when when we were able to, you know, finally say our goodbyes and she passed on, we weren't sitting there sorrowful and angry we were excited for her because we knew man, she's in heaven she's in heaven i can't wait to go see that woman again it's gonna be a great time we're all gonna be reunited one day she she knew all that was good she knew what god's plan was for her was good and she was just gonna peacefully wait out whatever whether it was gonna be a healing or whether it was going home she was just gonna wait on him that's how we handle trials, guys. We wait on him and know what he's doing is going to be good. He promises us good. We may not see it as good here sometimes. Sometimes we won't get it until long after we go home, right? We might not understand the trials and tribulations that we're going through and how God's working them to be good, 
But we need to trust in that. Trust that they will be good. God will work good out of whatever you are going through and allow that to be the joy that carries you into the next day. We're closing out a year, guys. All right, 2023 is just hours till it's done. 2023 had a lot of bumps in its road. It had a lot of good times, a lot of bad times. I'd love to tell you 2024 is going to be nothing but high uh, blue skies and sunny, fresh air. But we know better, right? We know better. Life is life. It's not easy. It's going to have its good times. It's going to have its bad times. I would love to see you guys well prepared for the bad times. I don't have to prepare you guys. You know, John doesn't have to prepare you guys for the good times. Good times are easy. You know, love seeing my kids. You know, when, like I said, we go to Disney and we surprise them with a trip to Disney. They're excited. I don't need to prepare them. All right, guys, you know, hang on here. I just want to let you know we're hopping in an airplane. We're going down to Disney World. You're going to be hanging out with this big mouse, you know. And, oh, dad. No. Woo! Disney! Excited. I don't have to prepare them for that. I don't have to console them. And I, I need to prepare them for the hard times, though. I'd be a poor father if I didn't let them know life is going to be unfair. It's going to be rough. Things are going to happen that you just don't like. But faith in God can carry you through. Faith in the faithful one will carry you through. That's my hope for you guys, too. That you have faith in the one who is faithful. The only way to do that is by developing your relationship with him more and more. I'm going to tell you, I look back at 2023, I wish I developed my relationship with God better. I wish I was devoted more to reading his word. The only way to do it, prayer and reading, guys. Prayer and reading. Spend time in prayer. Pray to him and read his word and learn about him. His word's unchanging. It doesn't change. No matter what anyone wants to say to you, oh, that's an antiquated book. It's thousands of years old. We don't need that anymore. Dig into it. Learn it. See how much this book is just as relevant today as the day it was first put to, from ink to paper. This book is faithful because it's the word of the faithful God. My encouragement, if you're going to set up a New Year's resolution, get into the word of God. Dig into the word. Learn it better. Prioritize it in your life. Make sure you know in your heart that this word's unchangeable. Don't let anyone tell you anything different, because they will. They'll try to tell you, don't waste your time on that book. It's, it's old. It's bad. There's nothing. There's so many contradictions. Dig into it for yourself. I'll tell you, I've been reading it for... And not perfectly, don't get me wrong, but I've been reading it for about 15 years now. I've yet to find a real contradiction in here, a, a contradiction. You know, I was big into conspiracy theories. I loved all that stuff, especially before I was a Christian. And then when I first became a Christian, I wanted to prove this book wrong. Guys, I tried. Tried really hard. But it wasn't. I can't. This you have a grounding in this word. You will have this hope that Jeremiah has, and you will be able to face all the problems of tomorrow. You'll be able to face them. You'll stand firm, and you'll be able to walk with joy and your head held high.
So encourage you, if you're going to make any New Year's resolution, make it all about God. Focus on him.